Welcome back to You Made It, the podcast all about making, creating and entertaining. By talking about your industry, you become more articulate and succinct about talking about graphic design. So it helps you kind of rationalize your own designs and also it's just great marketing for your business. I'm your host, Christy Campbell, founder of Pink Pony Creative, a brand and graphic design studio in Auckland, New Zealand. Hello, guys. So I'm super excited for you to hear this episode today. I just have to apologize for the audio on my behalf. Something was going on with the mic this day for me, and I'm not sure what, but James has some incredible things to say, so I hope you all enjoy it. Hello, guys, and welcome back to You Made It. On today's episode, we have a special guest. His name is James. Now, James is actually a neighbor of mine but not right beside me. He's in Australia and I'm in New Zealand, (laughs) but technically we're neighbors. So introduce yourself, James. Who are you and what do you do? Hello, my name is James Barnard, a freelance logo designer based on the Gold Coast, Australia. I'm actually from the UK, but I emigrated here a couple of years ago with my wife and young family, right in the middle of a pandemic, lockdown in two weeks, Sorry, two weeks of quarantine uh, in Brisbane, which was horrendous, but we're at the other side now in the glorious sunshine of the Gold Coast. So yeah, happy to be here finally. Oh, amazing. I had no idea you were actually from the UK. Do I sound that Australian already? Actually, I can tell now, but on your reels, (laughs) I couldn't tell, to be honest. Talk to me about how you got into the, you know, graphic design industry. Did you always want to be a designer? Is it something you did at university? It's not. No, I was... I studied music, multimedia, and electronics at university completely. I wanted to be a record producer. That was my main aim. So I was, you know, I was envisioning spending long hours alone in a studio underground all day with my mixing desk and playing the drums in the background. My my degree was like really tech focused. It had an actual electronics portion to it. So nothing to do with graphic design at all. The only reason I got into graphic design is because one of my modules in my course was HTML. So at the time, it was learning how to build websites with tables and HTML code. And slowly over the course of you know a number of years, I developed that HTML into a bit of a web design background. And I used that to get my sort of first job in graphic design, which was actually in publishing. I worked for a magazine in London. So yeah, that's how I kind of got started that process. So it was, I was, you know, did a job that wasn't to do with graphic design for years, like something like five years. And I imagine quite late in the grand scheme of things, when I was about 25, I totally changed tack and then became a graphic designer. So yeah, it was a little bit late in the grand scheme of things. Oh, wow. I had no idea. I kind of like that, though, because people always think you have to be, you know, a designer straight out of school and then just jump into it and start learning from there. Did you struggle with that side of it? Like, did you find a little bit? Yeah, I didn't have that that fine art education. I didn't have any kind of design education at all. I only got sort of taught myself the basics of Photoshop in order to kind of make assets for those websites that I was making for some really, really small clients. And I had a job in an office in London and they needed a a company intranet so I built it in WordPress I knew enough WordPress how to sort of design an intranet and and then I realized hang on this website looks terrible I need some assets to go along with this so I got a copy of Photoshop installed on my machine and then kind of learned how to use Photoshop to kind of build the assets for this website and I was like oh that was that's quite fun isn't it this photo this Photoshop uh, gig is pretty uh pretty rewarding so I basically just did a load of YouTube you know courses taught myself as much as I could on how to use Photoshop. And then I used that when I realized I enjoyed this part of the the, um, process more than the web design side of things. I used that to get a job 
at this magazine. So I built a sort of portfolio of clients, like small businesses, gave websites away for free to like a chiropractor and an interior design company and used that as to build a portfolio to get this first job in graphic design, which was for Runner's World and Men's Health magazine in London. Uh, so I totally blagged that first job and then learned everything I could from all the other designers that were sort of in-house and, you know, kind of fake it until you make it mentality. So, yeah, I was, I was thrown in the deep end a little bit there, but, um, you know, I survived, kept my head above water just. Oh, wow. Oh, I love your story. It's fascinating. I like also <laughs> that you did these websites for free. I know it's, you know, you shouldn't really do work free, but I think when you're starting out like that, there actually are times you have to do shit for free and like just to get, build your portfolio, get your name out there, just to, you know, make someone's website look good, their brand or whatever. And then they'll refer you, you'll have that on your portfolio. It's a Absolutely. bit of social proof, I guess, that you can move forward with. Yeah, definitely. If you've got no portfolio, then how else are you really going to build it? I mean, to get that first job, you need to have something there to show that, you know, you can do what you do. And without the kind of free working and kind of giving it away, I would never have had that. And like I said, it was it was a foot in the door for me. It was a way to get on the, you know, to get in front of that recruiter and me for them to take me seriously was to actually have a little bit of work there so I had nothing so I just gave two two or three websites away and that was enough just to get oh, wow. me out the door so I appreciate that yeah yeah oh good on you and then in terms of your business how long have you actually had your business for well I was a full-time graphic designer for six or seven years I worked my way through the publishing industry I started out in magazines went into national newspapers so I worked at the Daily Telegraph in London for a couple of years my last full-time role was for the Times and the Sun newspapers in the UK, and I utterly hated it. It was one of those roles. I was oh, no. put in charge of a design team. I had six or seven designers working underneath me, and it was. I loved the teaching side of things, and I loved to kind of sort of share the knowledge in that respect. But it was the putting out fires all the time, just dealing with, you know, project management issues and dealing with really, really tight deadlines. It was a daily national newspaper, so the, the timelines were super quick, and it was ultimately not for me. So I went freelance to sort of pay the bills while I found something new, handed in my notice after six weeks of working there. I just, I hated it that much. And in the process of trying to find work, another full-time position, I went freelance just to kind of, you know, the water bill paid and and uh, eventually realized that this freelance life is all right, isn't it? You know, I can just go take a nap in the middle of the day if I want to, or go run an <laughs> errand whenever I want. So it was one of those things where I realized, you know, this is this is life for me now. And so I went to agencies. I did a few stints in agencies as a freelancer. I took on some client work based off of the sort of portfolio that I'd built over the years. And that was seven, eight years ago now. So I've been a freelancer that entire time. So oh, my, wow. biggest, my biggest full-time role is being a freelancer so yeah it's great I don't think I could ever go back now amazing yeah 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 oh cool and I want to briefly touch on the fact I was looking through your Instagram about some of the things you've been doing recently and you had a reel or a post about a big struggle that you had in your business at the start of last year in January like there was kind of a big slump you called it could you talk yeah. more about that and then how you came out of that yeah, sure. I was getting a little bit fed up. So I'm a, I'm a logo designer and I, I have a, you know, a rate that I set for my clients and I've, you know, worked for more than a decade in, in the industry. I believe that, you know, entitles me to set the bar reasonably high when it comes to pricing. For instance, I won't do a logo for a hundred quid. You know, it's one of those things where I was getting a lot of emails and, and requests through to do logo projects. And unfortunately, the budgets that I was being quoted were just 
a little bit insulting. So mm. I put my prices on my website as like a kind of floor, a floor price for my website just to kind of weed out a few of those requests. I was kind of getting sick of having to do the admin of saying, sorry, you know, the budget is here. So I put my prices on my website and what happened was people came to my website, saw that price immediately and without really checking me out and, and looking any further, they would go straight to my website, click prices, see the number and go, nope, and then just bounce off to somewhere else without mm. me, you know, getting the opportunity to sort of talk them through why it costs that much, why I've set my prices to that sort of level and meant that in the space of about two months, I got one lead and my cash flow dried up. Oh, wow. you know, it was absolutely devastating. It was a huge mistake. Reverted immediately back to sort of, you know, the, the tiered structure, the the startup deluxe and professional packages and on my mm. on my site and and then, you know, allowed people to sort of inquire again. And then, then that, that way, once the lead had come through, I could talk them through the process and then sort of talk about budget a little bit more. And once they, you know, learned a bit more about me and learned about why maybe it'd be worth spending a bit more on a, on a logo. So, yeah. I lost all my cash that reserves. You know, they say as a freelancer, you should have at wow. least sort of three to six months of savings set aside just to, you know, cover for things like that. All of my cash dried up completely. Mm. And this was, uh, you know, wow. the tail end of 2021. You know, things were pretty dire. Yeah. But then in early 2020, I got really lucky and went viral on TikTok. And the rest is kind oh, of history. So it all, all changed. Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. Wow. So I was, was lucky enough to get um there was, yeah. I got I was lucky enough to get my books published in a book called The Logo Lounge. Sorry, to get my logos published in a book called The Logo Lounge. And I had three of my designs were accepted. I was like, you know, I'd never really been on camera before on TikTok. I was always doing these videos about time lapse logo design. And then I turned the camera mm. around and just really wanted to just brag about getting in this book. I was like, oh, I'm so chuffed about getting in here. Oh, the way should. it well exactly you know got to show off to someone right and uh yeah. i was lucky that video hit three million views on tiktok and then overnight my all those cash flow issues were solved because i got something like 70 leads in a day from that one video on tiktok now people are you know were, came to my page saw a load of other content about logo design and there's a load of sort of time-lapse videos about making client logos and, and conceptual logos in Adobe Illustrator. And yeah, 70 leads in one day. It was just absolutely nuts. Turned wow. my business around. That's insane. Oh, that yeah. is absolutely wild. I mean, congrats, because that's amazing. There's actually a couple of things I want to touch on uh, within that conversation. I have always thought about putting my prices on my website because probably like you, I did get a lot of, I do get a lot of people coming to me wanting those like, you know, a hundred dollar brands or $200 mm -hmm. brands. It's just something I don't do. And yeah. I've always thought about it, but like, would you advise people to really think about putting their prices on or just say flat out? No, don't do it. It depends. It depends. If, if you've got like a process in place and you've maybe got like, a structured package system so you want a logo plus website plus this plus you know marketing collateral and you're mm. you know pretty pleased with those prices and you think that they're you know cheap enough in order for people still to get in contact with you based off of the work on your website then you can give it a go personally i will never do it again it's mm. just such a huge mistake without the the opportunity for me to sort of talk about um to kind of walk them through the process and maybe guide them into spending a little bit more and maybe do a bit of a sales pitch if honest if i'm completely honest just means a hard bounce for a lot of people they'll just see a budget and they won't get in touch now if someone inquires about a price yes it's a little bit more 
sort of round about the houses you know it might take a we might have to have a bit more of a discussion to get to the the budget question but then there's a bit of flexibility there like it's not my prices aren't set in stone i could always come down a little bit and i found that when i put my prices on my website and was just getting no leads the one logo job that i did get was for this uh, biker club in texas and it was the coolest job it was like a badge design for their t-shirts it was like a real sort of um, a badge style piece of type wrapped around a motorcycle it was the coolest project ever and I did it on the cheap because it was such a cool project that I might not have taken on had they you know discussed their budget in the in the first place but because it was such a cool project I was willing to do it for that price and that guy didn't Mm -hmm. find me through my website and see the the prices he found me through reddit through some sort of different different chain and it meant that I you know got one logo project in that sort of horrible two months where I got nothing so yeah, it's quite interesting oh, how, you know, having not having someone come through without seeing the prices meant that I did a job that was hugely rewarding, but, you know, probably mm. wouldn't have spent too much money on me otherwise. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fascinating. And then as well, you mentioned the fact that you turned the camera around. We're speaking about the time you sort of went viral and you decided to turn the camera around and face, you know, have you and then as like a creative and a designer, do you feel that that's really important? Like, why do you think that that's important part of showing up as a freelancer especially yeah because I'm the face of my business you know getting on camera has kind of opened me up in such a more rewarding way to not only other designers but to my clients as well they see the operation they I'm really transparent I'm a one-man band I don't have an agency behind me I don't have a team of people it's just me and I found that you know dealing people like to deal with people you know and by getting on camera mm-hmm. They're sort of, you know, they get to know you a little bit before they might, might approach you for a logo design. So it's absolutely helped. And just, you know, videos where you see someone talking, they're so much more engaging when you feel like someone's mm. teaching you something or someone's actually chatting to a person. They're likely to spend a bit longer on your video. Whereas before I was doing sort of faceless logo design time-lapse videos and no one could sort of see who was behind the camera. So not as much interest there. Yeah, and I also think there's some benefit in um, like, if you put yourself out there on camera, you'll find that people who are like you or are like-minded people tend to come to you because they get a feel for you. They think, oh, he seems like a nice guy, well-rounded, you know, yeah, all quiet. chat to you on a personal like, level. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's fascinating. And do you remember the, the reel that went viral? For you? It was the Logo Lounge one. It was. That was, on, that was on TikTok. But then because I wanted to kind of keep the hype train going on TikTok and I, I just started making more and more video content because I was like, wow, this is what people want. That mm. first one that went viral, people started asking me questions like, what were the logos that made it into the book? I was like, okay, well, I'll do a video about those three logos. And then more questions came and off the back of that became more content. And I was posting, I was making content for TikTok first because of the nature of TikTok, it has to be video. I was posting that to Instagram as a secondary thought. But then I found that, just by doing the video content and posting that to Instagram, my Instagram following started picking up as well until I mm. got another video go viral on Instagram. And by that point, I had probably 50 videos, all sort of TikTok-based, you know, that short-form video marketing were on my profile. When the video on Instagram went viral, everyone who came to my page saw this bank of video content behind that mm. viral video and followed me off the back of that. And I got this is a ridiculous stat, but I got a hundred thousand followers in two weeks on Instagram off of one video. Really? Yep. That's just absolutely insane. It's interesting actually. Yeah. It's because of your former guest, Abby Connick. She did a video 
based around you know she's prolific with a pencil tool in adobe illustrator yeah. i posted a video responding because i'd never seen that done in illustrator before i was like how the hell did she do that and i did this sort of off the cuff yeah. video and that kind of reactionary content it was like 15 years using illustrator never knew that and that vi- that was the video that went viral and then following that i made a video about some specific settings in the pencil tool as i was playing around with it it doesn't quite work unless you change a couple of little things that video went viral mm. two million views oh. so in the space of two videos i had something like 17 million views and my account That's just exploded insane. overnight yeah it's just yeah. ridiculous that is wild do you think as well like i'm really passionate about this with my social media platform like as a creator, whatever you do, whether it's like design, illustration, painting, like, yes, you can be a creator, have your own business. But then when you bring in social media into the picture, there is like a huge amount of untapped opportunities there. Like, I don't know, could be collaborations with businesses, maybe mm-hmm. like even me starting a podcast, you might be working with, uh, you know, going to, I don't know, do next, bring out a book one day. Like, do you find... Mm-hmm. Have you found you've had more opportunity through social media as a designer? Absolutely. Yeah, that, that explosion of followers has led to all sorts of stuff. Paid partnerships with Instagram, obviously, that's kind of diversified my income stream. Mm. You know, chatting with other creatives. One of, one of the proudest things that's come out of it is my partnership with Adobe and done so much with Adobe now. They're, they're like the dream partner. The biggest one, though, is being on Adobe Live and actually getting to teach adobe illustrator via their adobe live platforms something i did Mm. on my accounts anyway i'd run instagram or tiktok lives where i'm pointing the phone at my screen and sort of talking through bringing a sketch into a vector now i do that with adobe and i'm like i've got like a schedule this year where i'm doing three or four pieces of content with them on their adobe live youtube platform and it's just wonderful you know actually having an audience suddenly around the teaching side of things has been the best and that would never have come had it not been for you know getting a bit of popularity on social media oh completely and i mean just the whole idea like if you look back 10 years ago when you started designing or whatever and someone said you you're going to then work with and partner with you know like literally photoshop illustrator and design like how would you feel about that you'd be like no, what? That would never happen. <laughs> you, if you'd asked me two years ago, I wouldn't have said that. You know, it's just one of those things yeah. that, that the nature of social media allows accounts like mine to explode in a short amount of time. It's kind of crazy to not be on video, to not be doing, you know, the social media side of things. It's a free little tool to, you know, your own PR. And then I saw that you went and met Chris Do as well. I don't know how that all came about or what what interaction and tell me about again that. through through the social media through being a little bit bigger on instagram i did a podcast a while ago for a, a chap called dave clayton who runs the mm. he shoots he draws podcast sorry to plug another podcast on your podcast Oh no, but he he's he's pals with christo uh, christo is at adobe max he got dave got a book signed for me by christo and in the book chris chris's inscription was dear james your tiktoks suck try harder please so he was basically taking the, taking the mickey out of me with that book. That and then so off the back of that, I know it's ridiculous. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> then Chris, I was in Australia doing talk here and I messaged Chris through Instagram DMs, you know, slid into his DMs to see if he wanted to catch up for a coffee or something. And obviously he's got so many followers, the DMs just get buried. He, mm. You know, they're in request, they're hidden or whatever. He couldn't see them. And then... I was chatting with Dave and I messaged, I mentioned that I'd messaged him and he goes, Oh, I've got his number. I'll text him. And so he, he dropped him a text. And then the next thing I know, I'm driving to Brisbane to meet up with Christo in the, in the hotel lobby to pick his brains for two hours. 
just oh, incredible. Amazing. Such a nice guy. It was really nerve-wracking. He's a hero of mine. I've modeled my freelance mm. business based off of his advice. You know, put my put a tiered structure into my graphic design offering, niche down into logo design based off of his advice maybe three or four years ago after watching all of his YouTube content. So he's just a huge hero. Mm. So to pick his brains for two hours was just incredible. Really, really lucky. That would have been insane. Actually, speaking about like the whole idea of you niching down into logo design, did you ever think about moving into like brand identity or like doing brands further or specifically you've always just wanted to do logo design? Well, to be honest, logos, it's such a more SEO friendly term. When when someone asks you mm. what you do and you say, oh, I'm a brand designer, and they go, oh, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? And if I just say logo designer, they go, oh, yeah. And they know exactly what you mean when you say logo design. Mm. So yeah, I do parts of brand identity. I found that I'm not an illustrator. Find things like background patterns and illustrative patterns to go with things like maybe someone in retail or in the food and beverage space. I find that mm. a bit more difficult. And I might commission that to someone who's a little bit more skilled than me. But I found that my skills lie in the in putting meaning and bringing a company's brand values into a logo that's where my talents really like mm. conceptualizing something down into its simplest form i found that's that's something that i'm quite good at now if a client is willing to spend a bit more money obviously i'll provide them with the more overarching things that they need in order to build a brand things like you know background assets for websites extra marketing collateral and i do things like business card design and you know all of the stationery mm. and social media templates and stuff but when it comes to more illustrative stuff, I would probably commission that out because I'm, like I say, I'm, I'm no illustrator. Yeah, oh, I love that. Oh, that awesome. And then would you ever like, have, do you have goals to grow a team or is it just, you're just happy for like the business to be you? They, it's interesting, isn't it? Like kind of, I've always seen this as like a lifestyle business. Do you know what I mean? Like I've got just mm. enough work to keep my standard of living ticking over. Now, obviously there's an opportunity for me to grow if I was to build out a team and I could take way more client work on, but I kind of like mm. where things are right now. I've got just enough client work to keep me busy. Probably too much client work at the minute, actually. And I like to, I'm such a control freak. I love to do everything myself, like even building the brand presentations. <laughs> I'm getting slowly to the point where I am commissioning a couple of things out there, like animating a logo. I recently mm. had a chap in LA called Levi help me with a couple of logo animations. And he did such a good job that I'm totally going to use him again because it saved me so much time. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like, could could grow this? I'm, I'm at kind of a crossroads right now. I don't know what to do. Like, do I grow this into an yeah. agency and, and take on way more client work? Because I've got clients' leads coming in. I just can't take them all on. And a lot of them I lose because my wait list is about three months. And that's not ideal for a lot of people. They need to work faster than that. So yeah, there's definitely scope mm. for me to to start thinking about hiring people but it, it is good, kind of daunting the whole training aspect of things and getting something up to speed and also we have to be remote because I don't have an office space I work from my home studio so yeah we'll see we'll see who knows yeah oh amazing and do you think you'll go into like the space you may have done this already so correct me if I'm wrong of like educating other designers like more like bring out courses and like mini tutorials and stuff like that the idea of a course definitely appeals to me, not only for the money, mm. but, you know, I yeah. love the teaching side of things. Uh, I got approached to do a book, and I'm not sure whether I'm going to do it or not. It's something that, you know, I could do 
based off of the knowledge that I've had over the years. Courses for sure. But to be honest, people seem to really enjoy the short form stuff that I put out on Instagram. And I do a lot of teaching stuff on my Instagram platforms and, and TikTok, you know, in terms mm. of little software tips, freelancer advice, and especially my case studies. You know, my case studies used to just be me kind of showing off, here's the logo that I did, here's a load of mockups. Now, when I do a case study, I talk about it more. I talk about the process and I talk about the revisions that the clients didn't pick and why they didn't pick them and the routes that we went down and how many rounds of amends we did. People seem to get a lot more out of that content because it's it's exposing the process more. It's showing like how I actually approach dealing with a client and dealing with feedback. That's been really rewarding for a lot of people. So yeah, I think I'll, I might just with the the short form stuff for now because the the idea of sort of longer form video kind of fills me with dread. It's just going to take so much time. I'm not sure how to tackle it. <laughs> no, for sure. Oh, that's amazing. Everything as well, like with um, these tutorials you bring out, people just learn so much. And it's interesting how many inquiries you actually get through like tutorial based videos. You always, I always thought, why would anyone like a client inquire because of an, a tutorial, but actually you look like an expert in your trade and your craft. Exactly that. Exactly that. By, by showing that you're an expert in your industry, clients are more sort of likely to, to reach out to you. So by giving back, it helps in both areas, you know, it helps other graphic designers who are maybe just getting started, but it also showcases to a client that you know what you're talking about. And then especially those mm -hmm. um, case study videos, designers love those because they expose as a part of the process that they might not have seen before. But to a client, that's also a dream because I'm showing them how that, that process might work for them. And look how we got to this amazing logo because of this process. And after I do those case study videos, I always see an influx of client leads come through. It is crazy. Honestly, like the day after I post a case study video, I'll have 20, 30 leads sitting in my inbox the next day. It's just nuts. Wow. Do you have someone else helping out with that or do you do it all yourself? Yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, this is another thing. Uh, yeah, it's nuts. So but my day is basically it starts off with admin dealing with all the leads that come through putting them into my CRM, which is a Trello board, and then try oh, yeah. to manage those and then try and stay on top of them and follow them up when someone hasn't come back to me. Client work. So 50% of my time is on my client work. I have like three months of logo design clients stacked up right now. So I have to spend time doing those. I usually ask mm. clients for around a two week turnaround period after the first, after I start the project to them seeing a couple of rounds to choose from. So my process is a bit, probably a bit slower than a lot of people, but in, in between that, I'm doing the video content. I edit it all myself. Obviously all this, this background that you see before you is kind of my little studio. And so I have to try and find the time each week to do at least two, if not three videos for, you know, TikTok mm. and Instagram, which is quite a lot of work. You know, these videos are, they're not off the cuff. I script them. I have, you know, I write them down. I set time aside in my day to film them. It probably takes me three hours to do a video. It's like a minute long. Mm. So, you know, it is a lot of time, but I, I do apportion that time because I see that as, um, you know, it's like building my business, it's building my brand, it's mm. um, personal growth, you know, rather than just the client work. So you definitely have to yes. kind of change your mindset slightly as a, as a content creator. Yeah. And as well, like is marketing, this is you mm -hmm. marketing at the end of the day, like, you know, back in the day, businesses would have spent hours on end walking around, like calling sales calls, going into other businesses, like offering their services, but like, this is how we are doing it. So it's That's like, right. yes, it's a lot of time, but it is so worth it. Definitely. Definitely. It, it is, it is a huge amount of time and you might not see results quickly from it. But I've always seen like making these videos, 
isn't just for sort of individual results. You know, sometimes you'll post a video and it flops and it feels really demoralizing. You're like, why did I spend all the time doing that? But then down the line, you might have one that does, you know, pop off and be quite successful. And they'll go back through your content and find something in that mm. content that you thought had flopped. And it's like a body of work, isn't it? You're building like a brand and you're building like a library of content for people to go through. And then eventually, if one video does take off, you'll have that body of work behind you. That will lead to, you know, a lot more, a lot more of a following. Yeah, on our social media is just a wild beast, I have to say. Um, something I wanted to talk to you about was AI, because I know you've spoken about this on your social media. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that much about it personally. I just know you can type in a few words and it punches out like some graphics or logo. What are your thoughts on it? And like, what do you think the future of designers look in AI? Graphic design. Yeah, it's a scary time, isn't it? There's uh, mm. it's, it's hugely powerful. The image-based AI softwares like Dali and Midjourney, they are just incredible right now. Uh, what I'm seeing is people are using them more sort of, more as like a stock library so for things like building mood boards for clients especially for me as a logo mm -hmm. designer if i want to build a mood board for a client you could do that quite quickly using uh, ai it's not so good at the minute at conceptualizing ideas so if i say if i put in something like design a structural engineering logo for a company using the letters ke uh, terrible results from the the sort of image generation tools they just they look awful they look like you know something mm -hmm. that you would find off of Fiverr. No. <laughs> so, you know, it kind of, they're not great. They're basically, it does what tells you, does what you tell it to do. So if you aren't clever mm. enough with your concepts, it doesn't know what is the right prompt. So AI needs human input. You need to be able to ask it the right questions. And as designers, we can do that and we'll get better results than just probably, you know, people who aren't in the graphic design space. The chat GPT, the one that everyone's excited about at the minute where you type in mm. questions and it gives you answers back, that is exciting for someone like me because it actually, the other day, it helped me to conceptualize an idea for a client. So I asked it the same oh, wow. question, come up with an idea for a logo using the initials KE for a structural engineering firm. And a lot of the answers were pretty rubbish and pretty tired and cliched. One, where it suggested using the letter K to form a structural support beam, gave me an idea and from that idea I created what I think is a great logo and now obviously that took me my skills as a graphic designer to bring that to life but the idea mm. and the conceptualization came from that AI so a little bit scarier on the front but again it needed mm. a human input to to get that out of it so I think we're safe for now as long as we you know keep practicing our craft um, logo design is is safe at the moment because you know it just seems to be able to suck at creating concepts so we'll see yeah. it'll definitely change it'll get better though so we're going to need to stay on top of it but at the minute that's what i was thinking too yeah like at the moment it's kind of average but it's certainly going to get better but then i had a discussion with people in my office and we were all saying you know like ah oh, it's scary for us yes it's scary for us but then we were talking about like doctors and i don't know like mm. nurses and um, you know, it's like soon we could, as humans, be able to just kind of like Google, like, yes, go in and ask AI what's wrong with me. And maybe the answers will come up and it'll be more accurate. You know, like there's so much risk, so many industries with AI. If anything, I'm yeah. like, guys, we should just get rid of it, delete it. We don't need it. <laughs> it feels like it needs some kind of regulation right now because it's coming out so fast. Mm. It's, it's one of those things where tech, the tech is faster than the regulations. So people who are like lawyers or doctors or even coders terrified right now because ai can do their jobs mm -hmm. for them things like writing lease agreements for 
you know rentals that kind of stuff is just you, you don't need a human to do that for you anymore and that must be really terrifying so in the creative space you know we'll get there so we just kind of need to keep an eye on it i reckon just keep a beady oh, eye on what's coming sure. up Keep a BDI. I'll be watching your yeah. content too because I feel like I'm sure there's a few more AI videos up your sleeve. That's always fascinating. Sure. I bet there will be. So yeah. tell me something people don't know or wouldn't expect from you. Could be anything. What, like a little piece of little tidbit that no one knows about me? Yeah. I, I'm a, I used to run marathons. I've run the London Marathon six times. I used to be a pacer for the London Marathon. So I would run around with my little lollipop stick and people would follow me and try and get in under the time by following me around the track because oh I used God. to work for runners. I used to work for Runners World magazine, and they had this lovely little system where you could go out running during your lunch break and do a little five k timed race. I got really really fit, and obviously getting into the London Marathon it was quite expensive and and quite hard. Not expensive. It was actually quite hard to get in. You know, there's not many places, so I got to run it six times in a row. So yeah, former marathon runner. Running. Wow, that's pretty amazing. What was your time? I'd love to know your best time. Best time ever was three forty-three. I got in under the four hours and then never beat that again. And I don't exactly. think I ever will now. <laughs> that is wild. I've done a half marathon twice, and I I think just over an hour. I couldn't imagine. I oh, know it would have been two hours. I think yeah, yeah I couldn't. It's going to say an hour. That's pretty what? quick for a half marathon. Yeah, no, that's really fast. That's bloody mm. it. Oh, no, that's amazing. <laughs> I always like hearing like other people's passions or hobbies outside yeah. of design. It's fascinating. All right. So as part of like the end little bit of our podcast, I like to do a little fun game called word association. And I say a word and you just say a word that comes into your mind. Whatever is the first thing that comes up. Are you ready? Okay. So design. Fun. Logos. Values. AI. Scary. Pen tool. Pencil tool. New Zealand. Neighbor. Oh, stunning. And to finish everything <laughs> off, if you could give one piece of advice to designers or creators out there, what would it be? Get on camera right now. Start pushing your social media content by making short form video because I cannot tell you how much it's turned my little freelance operation around. I wish I'd done it sooner. Yeah, start practicing getting on camera because it helps you better present to clients by talking about your industry, you become more sort of articulate and succinct about talking about graphic design. So it helps you kind of rationalize your own designs. And also it's just great marketing for your business. Oh, I love that. That's as great advice, I have to say. Well, that was an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. And where can people find you to look at your work, look at your stuff? Yeah, my socials, Barnard Co. So my business is called Barnard Co. And the website is barnard.co. See how it all ties in? It's almost like I'm in branding, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's uh, almost like you're in I know, I know. It's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You can find me at barnard.co. That's my portfolio with all the sort of logo projects that I've done. So, yeah, check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, James. It was lovely to chat. You too. Hopefully, I'll see you on Instagram. <laughs>